Hi, this is the K. Ray Reads to You podcast, and I am K. Ray. And today we're reading Chapter 5 of The Talking Parcel. Chapter 5 is called Weasels and Griffins. You're back, you're back, thank goodness, cried H. H. when he saw them. Were you successful, you brave creatures? Highly successful, chortled Parrot, very highly successful. And was the model of any use? asked H. H. eagerly. "'The model was what you might call an electrifying effigy,' said Parrot. "'We've got the spell,' said Penelope, handing H. H. her little notebook, "'though whether it will make any sense to you, I don't know.' "'Well now, well now,' said H. H., adjusting his glasses and sitting down. "'Let me just study it a minute.' They watched him as he read the instructions, his lips moving silently. "'Did you see my eggs?' whispered Tabitha. "'No,' said Penelope, "'but we saw that they were very safely locked up.' "'Well,' said Tabitha, sighing, "'I suppose that's something.' "'This is most interesting,' said H. H. at last. "'Most curious spell indeed. "'Now who would have thought of weasels "'as a method of getting rid of cockatrices?' "'Certainly not I,' said Parrot. "'Never thought much of the weasels. "'Dull, decadent lot, eccentric and effeminate.' Before this spell came to light, the only reason for getting them on our side was that there are a lot of them. How many were there at the last count, H.H.? H.? Seven hundred and seventy-seven, said H.H. H. Why, if we got them on our side, that would be splendid, said Peter, his eyes shining. Yes, with the unicorns, surely we'd be strong enough to attack, said Simon. "'Har, har, har!' laughed Parrot. "'Har, har, har! Ho, ho, ho! Pardon me, but the very idea of weasels fighting! Har, har, har!' "'But what's so funny about it?' asked Penelope. "'I mean, there are seven hundred and seventy-seven of them. Surely they'd be of some help. What's wrong with them?' "'Wrong with them? Why, they're a pack of layabout sissies, that's what,' said Ethelred. "'They'd be about as much use in a fight as a bunch of overripe bananas.' "'A vulgar way of putting it,' said Parrot, "'but I'm afraid he's right. "'The weasels have as much fight in them "'as a handful of apple-blossoms.' "'However,' said H. H., "'we must not overlook the business of the rue. "'It's a plant that I've had little to do with, "'but according to this it seems to make the weasels become... "'Um... um... "'Belligerent?' suggested Parrot. "'Just so. Belligerent,' said H. H., "'enough to attack cockatrices.' Now, if this is true, and one cannot doubt the great books, there must be some reference to it in the history of weaseldom. But if this rue stuff really does make the weasels belig belig what you said, said Penelope, then why don't we just go and get some and make them eat it and then join us? H. H. pulled his spectacles down to the end of his nose and frowned at her. That's all very well, my dear, he said. The rue grows only on Werewolf Island. "'and that is a very long voyage from here, "'and, moreover, one of the most unsafe "'and unpleasant bits of mythologia. "'There's no point in going on "'such a long and dangerous journey to collect the rue "'unless we are sure that the weasels will eat it. "'It says here that it is bitter. "'I'm sure they wouldn't like that, "'although I suppose I could add sugar.' "'Surely the first thing to do is to approach the weasels,' "'suggested Simon. "'If we explain to them how dangerous "'the cockatrices are getting, surely they'd help.' "'I very much doubt it,' said Parrot gloomily. "'So do I,' said H. H., "'but I suppose it's worth trying.' "'How far away do the weasels live?' asked Penelope. "'Oh, not very far,' said Parrot. "'About five miles away, on a very nice promontory in the Bottle Forest. 
"'They call it weaseldom, the silly creatures.' "'Well,' said Penelope, "'what I suggest is that we all try to get some sleep, "'and then to-morrow morning we go and see the chief weasel, "'or whatever he's called.' "'Duke Wensleydale,' said Parrot, with a snort. "'Stupid animal.' "'Well, Duke Wensleydale, then,' said Penelope. "'I'm sure if we talked to him we could persuade him.' As no one could think of a better plan, they all went rather gloomily to bed. Early the next morning the three children set out on their private unicorns, accompanied by Parrot, who rode on Penelope's shoulder, and Ethelred, who rode behind Penelope, holding on to her very tightly, and trying to pretend he wasn't afraid. At first they rode through the cork forests, then they came to a most curious type of country. Here the red rocks were heaped up higgledy-piggledy on top of one another, in tall, tottering piles, and in between them grew the most extraordinary-looking trees, the trunks of which were shaped like long-necked wine-bottles. "'Bottle-trees,' explained Parrot, when Peter remarked on them. "'Another of H. H.'s inventions. The trunks are hollow and water-tight. You just simply choose a bottle the size you want, trim the branches off, and there you are. On the way home you can cut yourself a cork to fit it.' "'I really do think H. H. is extraordinary, the way he thinks of these things,' said Penelope admiringly. "'Oh, that's nothing,' said Parrot airily. "'Over on the northeast we've got two sorts of box-hedges.' Two sorts?' asked Simon. "'Yes,' said Parrot. "'Cardboard and wooden. "'Just pluck the size you want straight off the hedge. "'All with lids, of course.' By this time the path had led them on to a promontory high on the hills, from which there was a wonderful view over Mythologia, lying misty in the dawn below them, and the great golden shining sea with its clusters of islands dotted about as far as the eye could see. "'This is Weaseldom,' said Parrot, with a wave of his wing. "'In many ways one of the nicest parts of Mythologia. I keep telling H. H. he ought to build himself a little weekend cottage up here. The weasels wouldn't mind.' They wended their way through the groups of bottle-trees, and around a great tottering pile of rock. There in front of them, with his back toward them, stood a weasel sentry, holding a very large, cumbersome-looking spear over his shoulder. He was dressed in a blue velvet uniform with brass buttons, and on his head was a hat with a long green feather in it. "'Ahoy there!' shouted Parrot. "'Ahoy!' The effect on the weasel was immediate. He leapt almost his own height in the air, dropped his spear, uttered a piercing shriek, and leant back against the rocks with his eyes closed and a hand to his heart. "'I give in!' he screamed. "'I surrender. I'll give you anything. I'll tell you anything. Only please, please don't harm me!' "'Silly creature, it's me, Parrot,' said Parrot. "'If you don't harm me, the Duke will reward you,' the weasel babbled on, his eyes still firmly shut. "'My mother and father will reward you. My aunt will reward you. My three nephews will reward you.' "'You infuriating, idiotic beast!' shouted Parrot. "'It's me, Parrot!' "'What?' said the weasel, his eyes still closed. "'Parrot?' "'Yes,' said Parrot. "'Don't keep on so.' The weasel opened one eye cautiously, and then he opened both eyes and blinked. "'It really is you, Parrot,' he said. "'But what are those creatures you've got with you?' "'Children,' said Parrot. "'Do they bite?' asked the weasel in a trembling voice, picking up his spear and pointing it at Penelope and the boys. "'If they bite, I don't want to have anything to do with them. Tell them I shall fight to the death. Tell them how sharp my spear is. Tell them what a temper I've got when aroused.' 
"'They're perfectly harmless, you ninny,' said Parrot impatiently. "'Now let us by. We're here to see Wensleydale.' "'Pass, friends. All's well,' said the sentry in a trembling voice. Second on the left by the next pile of rocks.' "'I must say, I do see what you mean about them not being very brave,' said Peter, as they rode on. "'Yes,' said Simon. "'It would take an awful lot of rue to make that sentry fight.' They rounded another great pile of rocks, and suddenly came upon a sight that made them all gasp with surprise. A large flat area had been cleared and laid out like a formal garden, with carefully kept hedges and trimly raked gravel paths, neatly weeded flower-beds, ablaze with flowers, fountains, and ornamental lakes. In the middle of it stood a lovely half-timbered Elizabethan house, with beams as black as jet, snow-white walls, and a tiled roof, twisted chimney-pots, in the deepest of fox-red. The numerous windows glittered and gleamed in the sunlight. If the children had come across it in the English countryside, they would have thought it a remarkable old house, but to find it suddenly in the curious landscape of mythologia was extraordinary. What made it even more surprising was that the whole thing was in miniature. The hedges were only six inches high, the fountains were the size of wash-basins, and the house itself was like a gigantic doll's house. Har! chuckled Parrot, at the children's astonishment. Surprise day! Well, it's a nice enough house in its way. Weasel Court, residence of Wensleydale, the Duke of Weaseldom. Why is he called Wensleydale? asked Simon. His father was devoted to cheese, explained Parrot. He actually wanted to call him Gorgonzola, but his mother put her foot down. Great eaters, the weasels. Now we'd better leave the unicorns here. We don't want them stamping all over the garden with their great hooves. So the children got down from their unicorns and picked their way carefully through the beautifully tended gardens. "'Ain't half posh, miss,' said Ethelred, rather overawed by his surroundings. "'Wouldn't mind having a house like this meself.' "'It's lovely,' agreed Penelope. Parrot marched up to the front step, lifted the knocker with his beak, and knocked loudly. "'Go away!' screamed a shrill voice from behind the door. "'Go away! There's not a soul at home, so there! "'And all valuables have been transported to the mountains, "'and there are fifty bloodthirsty weasels armed to the teeth guarding the house, "'and there's nobody here, so go away!' "'Wensleydale, stop being a nincompoop!' shouted Parrot. "'It's me, Parrot. I want to talk to you.' "'Parrot?' said the voice. "'Parrot, are you sure?' "'Of course I'm sure,' said Parrot, exasperated. "'How do I know you're Parrot?' asked the voice. "'Would I say I am Parrot if I wasn't?' asked Parrot. "'You're absolutely right,' said the voice. "'That hadn't occurred to me.' "'Well, open the door,' said Parrot. "'There was the sound of a great many keys jangling, "'bolts being withdrawn, bars removed, "'and then at last the door opened, "'and out came Wensleydale, the Duke of Weaseldom.' He wore a scarlet velvet coat and knee-breeches, and a scarlet hat with a curling yellow feather, and he had a great deal of lace at his throat and his cuffs. He was followed by a lady weasel, who was most attractively dressed in a pale mauve crinoline, and wore a diamond tiara between her neat little ears. Wensleydale embraced Parrot with every symptom of delight. "'My dear fellow,' he said, "'my very dear fellow, how wonderful to see you alive and well!' "'We heard the most dreadful stories about what had happened to you, "'how the cockatrices had burnt you up, "'and stolen the great books and turned H.H. H. into a very small and insignificant cloud. 
"'And, of course, my dear, we were simply incensed. "'Weren't we, Winifred?' "'Yes,' said the Duchess. "'I've never known him so incensed.' "'Black with fury I was, I do assure you, "'shaking with uncontrollable rage. "'Wasn't I, Winnie?' "'Yes, Wensleydale,' said Winifred. "'Uncontrollable.' "'I must go with my trusty followers "'and put these ignorant cockatrices in their place,' I said, "'pounding the table and frothing at the mouth. "'Didn't I, Winnie?' "'Yes, Wensleydale,' said Winifred. "'Frothing.' "'I will give them a thrashing they'll never forget,' I said. "'A regular trouncing. Didn't I, Winnie?' "'Yes, Wensleydale,' said Winifred. "'Trouncing.' "'Every cockatrice will be black and blue, I vowed, "'if I have to do it with my bare paws. Didn't I, Winnie?' "'Yes, Wensleydale,' said Winifred, "'with bare paws.' "'Well, I'm glad you feel like that,' said Parrot, "'because that's what we've come to see you about, "'fighting the cockatrices.' "'Wensleydale immediately bent over double "'and clasped his hip. "'My dear fellow,' he gasped, "'as I was telling you, "'I would have been down there now, "'beating the cockatrices into a pulp, my dear boy, "'into a pulp, "'but I was stricken with my lumbago again, "'wasn't I, Winnie?' "'Yes, Wensleydale,' said Winifred. "'Lumbago.' "'I didn't know you suffered from lumbago,' said Parrot. "'Martyr to it, my dear boy,' said Wensleydale. "'Positively a martyr to it. "'When it attacks, I can't move at all. "'The pain is agonizing, my dear fellow. "'Simply agonizing. "'But I'm terribly brave about the whole thing, aren't I, Winnie?' "'Yes, Wensleydale,' said Winifred. "'Terribly brave.' "'Ironing your back with a hot iron is supposed to be good for lumbago,' suggested Penelope. "'Ow! They talk!' said Wensleydale, in alarm, backing into the front door. "'What are they, Parrot?' "'Children,' said Parrot. "'Do they bite?' asked Wensleydale faintly. "'If they do, keep them on their leashes. You never know, if you're bitten by one of those things, what you might catch.' "'Don't be silly,' said Parrot. "'They're here to help us. But we must have your help.' "'or we can't overthrow the cockatrices.' "'My dear fellow, you have my best wishes,' said Wensleydale. "'If it wasn't for this wretched lumbago, "'I'd be marching at the head of my brave troops, wouldn't I, Winnie?' "'Yes, Wensleydale,' said Winifred. "'Brave troops.' "'Now let's stop all this nonsense about lumbago,' said Parrot. "'What I want to know is, what do you know about Rue?' "'Rue?' echoed Wensleydale. "'Rue? What's Rue?' "'It's a kind of plant that's supposed to have a good effect on you weasels,' explained Parrot. "'Gives you a bit of backbone.' "'He, he, he!' laughed Wensleydale, taking a lace handkerchief from his pocket and fanning himself with it. "'You're always such a comical bird, Parrot, that saucy wit of yours. He, he, he! A plant to give backbone!' "'I'll give you wit,' said Parrot crossly. "'You whimpering, wavering, witless Wensleydale, listen to me. Rue is a plant. If you weasels eat it, it makes you brave.' "'and enables you to attack cockatrices. "'It's a spell we found in the Great Book of Spells. "'Now what I want to know is whether there's any mention of it "'in your silly history of Weaseldom.' "'How curious,' said Wensleydale. "'How curious. Rue for making us brave? "'Not, of course, as you'll appreciate, "'that we need anything like that. "'No, of course not. "'Brave as lions, we weasels. "'Peace-loving, of course, but when we're roused, "'har, by Jove, then look out.' "'The job is to rouse you,' Parrot pointed out. "'Now look here, Wensleydale. Stop waffling on, there's a good lad. "'Let's just go and consult your history. "'You've got it in the library, haven't you?' "'Yes, yes, of course,' said Wensleydale. 
"'There's just one thing, though.' "'What's that?' asked Parrot. Wensleydale leant forward and whispered loudly in Parrot's ear. "'Can't invite them in, those things, too big, break furniture, frighten dear Winnie,' he said. "'All right, all right,' said Parrot. "'If the children go round the back and lie on the lawn, they can look through the library window.' "'Well, tell them to lie on the lawn very gently,' said Wensleydale. "'That's my croquet lawn.' While Parrot followed Wensleydale and Winifred into the house, the children went around to the back of the house and lay down on the croquet lawn. Peering through the open windows, they could see a great oak-panelled library, lined with books from floor to ceiling. Presently Wensleydale and Parrot came in. "'Now,' said Wensleydale, "'the history is over here, shelves ten, eleven, and twelve. We have a lot of history, we weasels, not like some creatures one could mention who, strictly speaking, have so little history that they might never have existed.' "'Let's get on with it,' said Parrot. "'Has it got an index?' "'Yes,' said Wensleydale, pulling out a fat brown volume. "'Here it is.' He took a pair of lorgnettes from his pocket, and peered through them, as he opened the book and started to turn the pages. "'Let's see now, let's see,' he murmured. "'Roo, roo, roo.' "'You're looking under X,' said Parrot. "'It's spelled R-U-E.' "'Of course, silly Billy me,' said Wensleydale, his nose going pink with embarrassment. "'Can't think why I thought it started with an X.' "'Here it is,' said Parrot triumphantly. "'Rue, the use of, for the overpowering of cockatrices, page 8,424, volume 95.' "'By Jove, who would have thought it?' said Wensleydale. "'How exciting! My little heart is in a positive turmoil, I do assure you. Volume 95, you say?' "'Yes, that's shelf twelve. Just let me get the ladder.' He got the ladder, climbed up it, extracted the big fat volume from the shelf, and then carefully climbed down again. He gave the book to Parrot, who spread it out on the table. "'Now let's see what's what,' said Parrot. "'Page 8,424. Here it is. Listen.' In those days it was discovered by Wormwood Weasel, the court apothecary, that the herb rue, taken in sufficient quantities, made already stalwart and courageous weasels fifty times as brave. An infusion of this plant, taken before battle, ensured victory, especially over cockatrices, since, apparently, the rue made the weasels bite poisonous to them. However, the cockatrices, out of vindictiveness, burnt up the fields of rue that the weasels had cultivated, and since then the valuable herb has been not obtainable. And since that day also the cockatrices have had as their motto, We will rue the day, meaning that they will be sorry if rue ever grows in mythologia again. "'Well, bless my periwig and buckles!' gasped Wensleydale. "'Who would have thought it?' He sank into a chair and fanned himself with his handkerchief. "'Fancy me, fifty times as brave as I already am! Why, nothing would stand against me! Why, I'd even go and—and and bite the chief cockatrice's leg! What a pity this wonderful, wonderful plant no longer exists! Not for myself, you understand, because I'm brave enough without it. But I was thinking of my troops. Brave they are, in their own way, but in need of something to encourage them. Just a little something.' "'If that sentry we saw was an example of your brave troops, "'you could do with a little rue,' said Parrot. "'Sentry?' asked Wensleydale. "'Oh, you mean poor Wilfred. Wilfred. 
"'He's a bag of nerves, that boy, a jangling bag of nerves. "'Ever since he found a blue-bottle fly in his soup, "'he's never been the same.' "'Well, the point of the thing is this,' Parrot explained. "'We know where to get some rue.' "'You do?' cried Wensleydale excitedly. "'Oh, noble Parrot!' "'Now, if we get some, will you and your people drink it "'and help us rout the cockatrices?' asked Parrot. "'Are you quite sure that this rue stuff works?' asked Wensleydale nervously. "'I mean, for your sake, dear Parrot, I wouldn't like to make any promises I couldn't keep.' "'I'm sure it will work,' said Parrot. "'After all, it's in your own history of weaseldom.' "'Ah, yes, history,' said Wensleydale doubtfully. "'The trouble with some of these old historians, charming chaps without a doubt, but a little bit, you know, apt not to be able to tell the difference between fact and fable. I would simply love to help you, dear Parrot. As you know, honestly and truthfully, nothing normally would give me greater—' "'Listen,' interrupted Parrot. "'It's our only chance of beating the cockatrices. If we get the rue, will you try it?' "'Well, all right,' said Wensleydale, adding hastily. "'I won't take it myself, of course, because of my lumbago, "'but you may try it on one of the undergardeners.' "'Thank goodness for that,' said Parrot. "'Now you're talking sense.' "'And this is a pretty long chapter, "'so I think I'll split it in half again. "'So that is the end of Chapter 5, Part 1, "'and I'll see you next time.'